0: Good morning, Gold Avenue Church. I remember that last week, Mark and Pastor Jalisa brought us an excellent message in which Mark began by telling us to expect the unexpected. When we heard that message, I thought I was ready. I thought I was expecting the unexpected, but I did not expect to be bringing you a message from home today. This isn't the unexpected I expected. And in part, that's because God had already given me this message before last Sunday. He actually woke me up Friday morning, the week before, and just deposited not only this text, but the whole flow of what I'm going to share with you into my spirit that morning. It felt like a now word from the Lord that I've been very... Eager to bring you. And so even though this is unexpected, we're not fazed by it because the word of the Lord is powerful. Even at a distance, his presence is among us, binds us together, and he will speak. And so let's turn to him now and ask him to enliven his word and to give us ears to hear. Father, we thank you that you have fresh bread, fresh food, fresh words For us as your children each day, that there's always from something from you to strengthen us, to guide us, and to uh, grow us up into the fullness of the plans that you have for us in Jesus Christ. And Father, we thank you that you have plans for us as individuals, but that you also have plans for us as a church. And I pray that as your word is preached this morning, that you'll be speaking and communicating those plans, but that you'll also be giving us faith to believe and to walk in them. And so we invite you, Holy Spirit, to be active among us, giving ears to hear and obey the Word of God. And we pray this in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Well, friends, I shared with you that God gave me a message, and it's from an unlikely place at this time in our history, but that matters not. Uh, God actually put it in my heart, this text on my heart, and then for two weeks in a row, noon prayer found themselves praying out of this text. And so it was a wonderful affirmation that, that the Holy Spirit was speaking. So here it is. We're going to turn in our Bibles together to Joshua chapter 5, verses 2 to 8. Joshua 5, 2 to 8. And I will talk about the context of the passage in the message, so I'm just going to begin by reading Joshua 5, verse 2. At that time, the Lord said to Joshua, make flint knives and circumcise the Israelites again. So Joshua made flint knives and circumcised the Israelites at Gibeath Haaraloth. Now, this is why he did so. All those who came out of Egypt, all the men of military age, died in the wilderness on the way after leaving Egypt. All the people that had come out had been circumcised, but all the people born in the wilderness during the journey from Egypt had not. The Israelites had moved about in the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were of military age when they had left Egypt had died, since they had not obeyed the Lord, for the Lord had sworn to them that he would not they would not see the land He had solemnly promised their ancestors to give us a land flowing with milk and honey, so he raised up their sons in their place, and these were the ones who Joshua circumcised they were still uncircumcised because they had not been circumcised on the way and after the whole nation had been circumcised they remained where they were in camp until they were healed word of God thanks be to God Well, friends, I've been thinking a lot lately about something, and that something is this, that God never gives impossible assignments, but he often gives assignments that are impossible to fulfill without total dependence upon and trust in him. In other words, God never tells us to do something. He never gives a calling, never gives an assignment, little or big, which cannot be accomplished. But he often gives us assignments that we can't possibly accomplish without his supernatural help. And the Bible is just full of illustrations, but I'll mention one. comes off the top of my head. You think about Gideon, and God calls Gideon to lead a group of Israelite soldiers into battle against an army of hundreds of thousands. God whittles down that army until Gideon has just a few hundred men left and then tells him to go into battle. Impossible except for the supernatural help and power of God that makes it possible and as Gideon steps forth in faith and obedience, routes the enemies of God. Really common theme in scripture. God never gives assignments that he's not going to enable or empower us to fulfill, but they They thrust us, or they keep us, or they require of us to be totally dependent on God. So I've been thinking about this dynamic in relation to a number of things, but the largest one has been in relation to the assignment that God's given to us, to Gold Avenue Church. Seven and a half years ago, in a span of only four and a half months, the Lord gave guidance through a series of four unsolicited and very unexpected events. I'm going to recap them. They're longer, but let me recap them briefly. First, a Reformed pastor living in another state sent a note and a voice text sharing that he'd woken up that morning having a vision of Gold Avenue Church, and in the vision there was a river of life flowing out of the sanctuary and out the doors into the city, that was bringing life everywhere it went, sweeping many into the kingdom of God. Second, a young woman from Texas was in prayer at the end of a mentoring session and while in prayer began to see or have a vision where she described seeing Pastor Gina and I standing near the shore watching a large wave come in with great expectation. As the wave crashed onto the shore over our heads, she described seeing many, many people of all walks of life being caught up and brought into the water in a most joyful scene that had her crying tears of joy. And then finally, two times, a regional group of intercessors who met regularly to pray for the health and the vitality of churches in our region, suddenly found their entire prayer times devoted to praying for Gold Avenue Church, sensing God leading them to pray again for a wave of revival in which Prostitutes and gang members, homeless and people from all walks of life are swept into the kingdom of God. And as they prayed, they described seeing revival and seeing, um, seeing it in many different, uh, terms or pictures. But they were, they even sensed to compare it to the Azusa Street revival of 1905, which ended up, you may or may not know, sparking revivals all over the world, which brought millions into the kingdom. So they described seeing a revival come to and through Gold Avenue Church that would bring renewal in our classes, in our denomination, and that would even impact the nations. Well, what do we do with these? Were these prophetic words Was God speaking to us? The Bible says, Eagerly desire the gift of prophecy. Don't quench the Holy Spirit. And it also says, Test everything. Hold on to the good. And avoid every kind of evil. And so our elders at the time spent significant time testing these words. And they ended up saying, Yes, these are consistent with Scripture, with pictures in Ezekiel and Revelation of rising and flowing rivers that bring life and healing to the nations. And yes, they're consistent with the character and intentions of God to bring revival to the earth. And they sure would bring great, great glory to Jesus if He did this through us. And so yes, we bear witness that these unexpected and unsolicited words are from God. But how do we respond to them? What do we do? What's our part? Well, there have been many things we sensed to do as we've continued to pray. The first one is that we prayed consistently for revival that the church has had seasons and times of dedicated prayer but also the noon prayer group has carried this this intercessory promise and burden asking God consistently to bring revival. We some of the other things that we sensed to do are we went through a long process of moving from an 89-year-old church plant that was overseen by another CRC to becoming an established church. We took two years and hundreds and maybe thousands of hours to write many policies, fill out forms to move from just having a couple of uh, leaders to having a, a council with care elders and deacons and administrative elders. So we developed structure as a church. We also developed a healing prayer ministry to support discipleship and be able to minister to those coming in, even as we minister among ourselves. We focused for a season on developing leaders within Gold Avenue Church, so we'd have a leadership that was prepared. And most recently, we focused on laying a foundation for discipleship by developing the gospel tool. And along the way, along the journey, we began to see initial, very partial, but also exciting fulfillment of aspects of these visions. And I won't go into those now, but the point is that we, we've we taken some human steps of faith and obedience that we believe the Lord's called us to take in preparation. But we haven't yet seen the kind of revival prophesied in the visions and prayers And friends, we certainly can't bring it or make it happen, which begs the question, what do you do when God gives you an assignment or a destiny which is only possible if he brings it about? This is the question that faces Israel as we encounter them in Joshua 5. God has promised them a most incredible destiny and inheritance. I'll not only deliver you from slavery in Egypt, but I will bring you into and give you a beautiful and fruitful land. I'll drive out your enemies before you. I'll give it all to you. They have been supernaturally delivered from slavery in Egypt. They've taken a sneak peek at the land and they've been scared silly by the giant-sized people living there. We're like grasshoppers in our own eye beside them, we, they said. And so they've recoiled in fear. And they've let it grow up into a faithless refusal to enter. And as a result, they've spent decades wandering around the desert. But now, in his mercy, God's offering a new beginning Another chance to enter his promised inheritance. And as we meet them this morning, they're standing between two very unexpected events. Okay, so they've just finished crossing the Jordan River, which is uh, during the flood season. So major river during flood season, which is, in other words, impossible. But they've been able to cross it. Why? God stopped the entire flow of the river by having the priests stand with the ark of his presence in the middle of the river. In other words, his presence went before them and his power made a way. And now they're standing on the other side in the the land on the cusp of their promised Inheritance, But it's still going to take faith. It's still going to take courage. It's still going to take supernatural power. And it's still going to take obedience to the guidance of God. Because at this point, only God knows that his next step of obedience for them is to conquer a city by marching around it for seven days, blowing trumpets, but otherwise being completely silent which is not exactly the first battle strategy that comes to mind for penetrating strong defenses the unexpected which requires abiding in obedience to the guidance of god and so before they begin before they're ready to begin entering and taking their inheritance God instructs Joshua to make flint knives and circumcise every Israelite male. Joshua obeys. The knives are made. Israel obeys. Men and boys line up, presenting themselves one after another after another for circumcision. Hundreds of thousands of them. So many that the place is named Gibeath Ha'arloth, which literally translated means hill of foreskins. Friends, this is a gruesome picture and a beautiful picture all at the same time. Circumcision is the sign or the mark of the covenant that God made with Abraham when he promised to give him the land and to make him the father of many nations at 99 years old, after Abraham had already waited many, many, many years for God's promised child. Circumcision is the sign that God gave Abraham to mark all who belonged to him through faith. And so it was an act of faith for these men and these boys to present themselves. It was an act of faith to let themselves be cut or marked, as it were, as belonging to God. Even as it took faith for Abraham to keep believing God and to obey his guidance, to be circumcised at 99 years old, after God had made promises years and years ago that were not yet fulfilled. Imagine. Decades earlier, God had promised him that he'd be the father of many nations, that he would bless the world through him. And he's 99, and he doesn't have the promised inheritance. And now God's appearing to him, and he's saying, circumcise yourself. That's the sign of the covenant. So it takes great faith for a 99 year old man to keep believing God, to obey his guidance and to be circumcised. And what I'm saying is it takes the same faith for this generation of Israelites to obey God because they still haven't received the promised inheritance. This is a huge deal. This is God saying, I have made promises which I will fulfill. And your role is to bind yourself to me in faith, to be set apart and marked as mine, to consecrate yourselves and your families. And so by submitting themselves for circumcision, they are saying, effectively, we are yours. We believe your promises. We will follow you with faith and obedience. This circumcision is an act of surrender and faith that comes with a measure of pain and takes some time to heal from. But it's an important act because it prepares these men and their families for future acts of obedience, for submission to God, even when they don't understand what he's asking, or why he's asking it. Today's act of fresh surrender prepares for tomorrow's obedience to unexpected guidance. Let me say that again. Today's act of fresh surrender prepares for tomorrow's obedience to unexpected guidance. You see, coming out of the desert and into God's promised future, not all of these people had witnessed God's earlier acts of deliverance. But they were the ones that he was now going to work through to bring them into the inheritance. They had to fight the battles. They had to take the land by faith, and so they had to be ready. They had to be consecrated. They had to believe God was going to do it, and they had to demonstrate their faith. Through a physical act. Which brings us, friends, back to God's future for Gold Avenue Church. We're coming out of a desert ourselves. Perhaps not the same type as Israel's, but a season of disorientation and difficulty and waiting and loss nonetheless. Years ago, we began to see initial fulfillment of God's promises of revival. We saw people come into faith in Jesus in the middle of our worship services. We experienced a deepening connection with and effectiveness in witnessing to our neighbors. We saw God using our church mightily in classes and beyond. A a powerful 2019 conference with 175 people from all over North America in which the Holy Spirit was poured out in power and at which 50% of the volunteers and leaders were from Gold Avenue Church, followed by Empowered for Witness, initial fulfillment. But there was also a season of disconnection made severe by COVID, a season then of withering connections with our neighbors that grieves us deeply, a season, as Neil mentioned last week, of losing beloved members of gold, of returning to worship after 15 months apart, and not seeing the faces of certain people we love, of longing for them, even as we're thanking and blessing God for new faces. And so we here we are today, not exactly the same group of people that God first made promises to some seven and a half years ago, Yet, a group of people to whom God's promises still stand. A group of people who, despite difficult desert-like experiences, have been preparing to enter God's promised inheritance for us as a church by growing in faith and obedience to Jesus. A group of people whom we believe God desires to pour out His Spirit upon and to use mightily for the fulfillment of the vision that is in His heart. A river of life flowing out from this place. A wave of the Holy Spirit that brings many, many diverse people into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ. And friends, We also believe that we're in that same place that Israel found themselves in today's text, right at that entry point, just about to receive God's next steps of unexpected guidance for how to take new territory for the gospel and the kingdom. And yet before we do so, needing to consecrate ourselves to the Lord afresh to renew our covenant with him as it were to reaffirm our baptismal promises and vows to say yes lord we are completely yours we will follow you in faith and obedience trusting and obeying you even when we don't understand our lives are set apart or consecrated to serve you, Lord. And so I'm going to invite Pastor Gina to come up and to speak to us about consecrating ourselves for several minutes. Because the sense that we have is that we're not just reaching a moment of consecration, but rather a season of consecration. And so she's going to talk to us about what it might look like for each of us and for us all together to freshly consecrate ourselves to the Lord.
1: And so, church family, God's call on us as a people, a beloved people, God's call on us that we heard him say, and maybe some of you for the first time, that you've heard these prophetic words about a river of life flowing out to the city. And just as we were listening, I'm looking at that cityscape behind us and thinking how much God loves the people of this city. And how much he wants to use us as humble, as um, weak, as we may feel. He wants to use us. And each one of us is not here by surprise today. The Lord has this word for each of us. As Pastor Dave mentioned, it can feel like we are coming out of a desert season. Can I get a witness? Yeah. And so even the idea of, okay, now we're going to go and somehow conquer the promised land, and as he mentioned, God's assignments are impossible except for the empowering work of his Holy Spirit. That resurrection power that raised Jesus from the dead, he, the Holy Spirit, lives in us. There's an urgency. And we heard many testimonies last week about a sense of urgency, increasing urgency, to share the gospel. And yet... Um, we have some trepidation about doing that, too. And so, again, we need that we've got this assignment. We've got this good news of the gospel of the kingdom of God. And yet we need the filling of the Holy Spirit. We need the power of God to work with us. And so, Pastor Dave said, today's act of surrender or consecration prepares us for tomorrow's obedience to God's Unexpected guidance. And so consecration is the act of setting oneself apart for God's holy purposes. And we um, often will consecrate ourselves to the Lord through a prayer or a prayer of dedication. And so it's choosing to submit ourselves to God's will and his purposes. And even as was mentioned, how were the Israelites going to take Jericho? It was going to be a way God's way. A supernatural way. And so part of this consecration, is if you think about circumcision, it's cutting away the flesh. And so this prayer of consecration is cutting away our sense of self-reliance. And we're saying, I'm relying on the Holy Spirit. I'm relying on supernatural moves of God to um, make a way. In short, Bruce Wilkinson says consecration is the amount of our unconditional surrender to God. And so circumcision, a sign, a mark of being God's people. In our baptisms, we were marked by the Holy Spirit. And there was this covenant between God and his people. And he would be their God and we would be his people. And so as we've been baptized... We remember that we die and we rise. If you think about baptism by immersion, you go down in the water and you come back up. And so this dying and rising with Christ. We're baptized into the name of the Son of God, and we're assured that Christ himself washes us in his blood. And he also um, shares with us, we share with him, his death and his resurrection, And so I'm reading some words from the baptismal liturgy just to, because sometimes when we're watching a baptism, we're so caught up in just the excitement of seeing someone baptized, whether it's an infant or an adult. But there's meaningful words here, and I just want to read a few of these words. Baptism into the name of the Holy Spirit is the assurance that the Spirit of God will make his home within us. While living within us, the Spirit will continually work to strengthen and deepen our union with Christ. He will make real in our lives Christ's work of washing away our sins, and he'll also help us each day to live the new life we have in Christ. As a result of his work within us, we shall one day be presented without the stain of sin among the assembly of the elect in life eternal. Baptism has two sides, or covenant has two sides, God's part and our part. We grow up into our baptismal identity as people of God as we more and more die to ourselves and rise and live in this new life. Galatians 2.20 says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I live, I've, f- wait, The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. And so consecration, first of all, is just um, a response to God's love. He gave himself for me. And so it's a response. It's an act of surrendering ourselves to him because of his first love for us. Consecration is a declaration of our faith in Jesus. I live because of and I live for Christ. And consecration is an intentional dying and arising with Christ. And when we're thinking circumcision, we're thinking, again, cutting away the flesh. And so not just cutting away sin, but also cutting away self-reliance. Also cutting away um, our own wisdom. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will direct our paths. And so the people of Israel, they were saying, okay, we've just gone through this wilderness desert season and we're getting ready to go into the promised land. I bet a lot of them felt tired too. And they were just ready to get into that land of milk and honey, but they had to go take it. And they were going to need the strength of God. And so even that, it's gracious that he reminded them that they're marked. And let them rest a bit before they had to go in. Consecration, it was an individual act. They all stood up and one by one got circumcised. Or maybe they lay down. I don't know. It didn't tell us exactly how that went. Although I'm a nurse. They did it on the stretcher when, you know, you went to surgery. But, um, yeah, it's an individual act. And it's also, it was a communal act because they were doing this as a people. And so today, just like we do in other things, when we talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit, of being prayed for, for the empowering work of the Spirit, we don't try to do that in a way that like, oh, we get all emotionally rah-rah, let's do it, and let's all jump into this together. But we want you to be thoughtful about it. When we're praying a prayer of consecration, this needs to come from our hearts. This needs to be... Very intentional, prayerful, and so um, we're going to ask you to do this individually, but we're also going to ask to do it communally. And so by that, we're asking that you do this at home, and then come back, and let's celebrate together. And so there's a handout for you, and this you're, I'm going to ask everybody to take this home. And there's a sample prayer of consecration on the back, or you can write your own. But really, it's what are you surrendering to the Lord in this season? Surrendering your your body, surrendering your time, surrendering your thoughts, surrendering your resources. Think about this, church family. <clears throat> when this river of revival comes, and suddenly there's a lot of baby Christians We've seen a few of our families have new babies in this season, and um, they've consecrated themselves to parenthood, right? They don't choose when they get up. They don't choose when they eat. They don't choose when they shower. Like, there's so many things that revolve around the baby's schedule. Well, when the Lord brings in a bunch of baby Christians, can you see why it would be important for us to consecrate ourselves? Because we may need to be involved with discipleship, healing prayer appointments, um, food runs, helping find lodging. We don't know the ways that, all the ways that we're going to get to show the love of God. But we're going to do this not in our own strength because maybe some of you, like you said, you feel tired even to this morning. Um, we can trust that as we surrender ourselves to the Lord, He's going to give supernatural ways don't you think it was a lot easier to just walk around Jericho and blow some trumpets than to have to tear down the walls manually? The Lord's going to give us those kind of supernatural strategies for blessing this city and seeing his kingdom come and his will be done. And so, again, we can expect the unexpected. And I want to close with a prayer of Paul um, who prayed this prayer I don't think I've said what we're going to do with these. You're going to pray your prayer of consecration. And then, after you've done that, I'm going to ask you to share it with three people. Call up or get together. Share that you've prayed your prayer of consecration and ask them to pray for you. And then, next week and the following weeks, after you've prayed your prayer of consecration at home, we're going to have... Some sort of a interactive thing where you can put a little, your name on a slip and put it on the cross and that'll be up here next week and in the weeks following. Because as we mentioned, we're having an act of consecration, but we're also having a season of consecration where we start into First Corinthians 13, or 1 Corinthians, the whole book of 1 Corinthians, and thinking about different aspects of our lives that we can bring and consecrate to the Lord. And so, There'll be a place for you to put a slip, your name on a slip of paper. When you've prayed and dedicated yourself to the Lord, you can put it up here on the cross. There'll be some instructions up here. You can do it before church, after service, while we're worshiping. We'll celebrate together if we see somebody go up and put their name up there. But this is a communal act as well, okay? Is that making sense? And so now, a prayer from um, Paul that he prayed. Will you pray with me, please? That you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who's able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that's at work within us, to him be glory in the church. Lord, to you be glory in this church, Gold Avenue Church, and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. And all God's people said, Amen.